Welcome to Practical Christian Living. What was the part of the cross that brought about our forgiveness? We know he died on the cross. We know he was beaten on the cross. We know he suffered on the cross. We know he was scourged before he went to the cross. But the Bible clearly says that we were ransomed by his blood. And I read that passage out of 1 Peter that says we were not redeemed by perishable things, but by the blood of Jesus. As Christians, we are told to remember, to remember the price paid for our sin, to remember that Jesus bled and died on the cross so we could be forgiven and redeemed. Jesus wanted us to partake regularly in communion so we would remember that it is by His body broken and His blood shed that we are saved. This continuation of our study in Luke 22 is so vital to our foundation as believers in Christ and helps us to approach communion with the right heart. Please stay with us. Here's Robert Furrow. I did a hot topic here recently. There's something that we do on YouTube. There are little videos that we do on YouTube. And I did a hot topic called Why I Believe in the Pre-Tribulation Rapture. One of the responses that I got on YouTube was, you know, one of these days you guys are going to find out you're not even saved. So it's funny because he was a, a post-tribulation guy. He believes everything we believe, everything we believe, except a seven-year difference in when the rapture is going to happen. <laughs> and I'm not saved because I believe it's seven years earlier than what he believes. It isn't what we believe sometimes that will keep us out of heaven. It's what we don't believe. The question is, is whether or not as a Catholic, have you trusted in Christ? Have you received him as your savior? Do you believe in him? Have you been born again? Has the Holy Spirit taken up residence inside of you? And if he has, then you will go to heaven. You will not be kept out of heaven because you're a Catholic and you will not go to heaven because you're a Catholic. You will not be kept out of heaven because you're a Baptist. You will not go to heaven because you're a Baptist. You will not be kept out of heaven because you're a Calvary Chapelite. You will not go to heaven because you're a Calvary Chapelite. It is because of your interaction with Jesus. And that is what is important. Now, Martin Luther, of course, he's the one who posted the 95 thesis, 95 different things that he found that he disagreed with the Catholic Church in his days, and some of them were severe. He believed in consubstantiation, consubstantiation. So he believed that the presence was in the elements, that it didn't literally become the DNA of Jesus, it didn't literally become the body and the blood of Christ, but that it was his presence was in the actual communion. And I tell you what, if you want to hear people call heretic, then say, I think that Jesus is present in the elements and people will flip out. I don't know whether it's a true statement. In, in fact, I would lean towards it not being that in the elements themselves, that once we pray for them, that Jesus literally is in the presence of the elements. So we are taking Jesus in his presence into our body when we take communion. That's what Martin Luther believed. But here I'm gonna, I'm gonna border on the, the edge of, um, of being heretical for some. But I believe that when we take communion, Jesus is with us in a special way. I believe his presence is here with us. Understand what I'm saying. I'm not saying that I believe that his presence is in the elements in a special way and that when we take the elements, we're bringing Jesus into our lives. I think that, well, well we know that there's no place that you can go to hide from the presence of God, right? No place you can go. 
But we also know that uh, when we gather together, Jesus is here in a special way. Where two or three of you gather together, I am in your midst. Well, he's got to be in our midst here tonight in a special way than just normal. And when we take communion, what would make us think that he wouldn't be here in even a more special way? He's certainly here in a unique way and that we're remembering his death, his body and the blood that was shed for us and that was broken. And I believe that there is something special. Now, I don't know whether someone's going to call me a heretic for that or not. Maybe, but I'll take a risk because I don't find anything in the scriptures that tell us that that's not the case. In fact, I would even kind of lean more over the other way. Jesus said, as often as you do this, do this in remembrance of me. When we gather together to take communion, I believe that he is here in a special way. So he broke the bread and he gave it to them. And he said, do this in remembrance of me. And that's what communion is. We are remembering the body that was broken for us. We're remembering that Jesus was scourged. We're remembering that he was crucified. We're remembering that it was a sacrifice for us, that our sins could be forgiven. Likewise, verse 20, he also took the cup after supper, saying, this is the cup of the new covenant in my blood, which is shed for you. And so likewise, we are to remember this, but there's something very specific about the cup. It is a covenant cup. In the Old Testament, we are given the covenant of the law. And I've said over and over again that I'm really glad that we are not under the old covenant. I'm glad that we don't have the dietary restrictions, which tells you that I'm a foodie to the max, by the way. I'm glad that we're not restricted by the things that are in the law. I'm glad we're not restricted by the Sabbath. They couldn't travel more than whatever it was, a distance, about a quarter of a mile. They couldn't travel any further than that. Today, the people that rewrite the Sabbath and then tell us that we're breaking it because we meet together on Sunday rather than Saturday do not keep the Sabbath as it was taught under the law. I would respect them more if they did. If they said the Ten Commandments say, remember the Sabbath and keep it holy, we're going to keep it like the law says, but they don't. They rewrite it and say keeping the Sabbath means going to church on, on, on Saturday. Where does it say that in the Bible? You say that the scriptures are your authority. Where does it say that? If you're going to keep the Sabbath, then you better keep it like it's written. You better do all of the things the Bible says that you don't do on the Sabbath. Now, there are those that have taken it too far. You can go to Israel today and whole cities, Jerusalem especially, will shut down on the Sabbath day. And if there's a Jewish person that keeps their restaurant open on Saturday, they will be called a Sabbath breaker, just like in the old days. You Sabbath breaker. When we were, the last time we were in Tiberias, which is by, it's actually a couple of trips ago, but we were by Tiberias, which is the Sea of Galilee. And uh, Tiberias is a city that's there. We wanted to go get something to eat on uh, Friday night. And our guide said, I know a couple Sabbath breakers here. It's literally what he said. I could I send you that way. We went and we had a great steak at a Sabbath breaker restaurant. But that was the old covenant. And now things are changing. He's going to move away from the old covenant. You say, when did we move from keeping the law to not having to keep the law? Right here. When Jesus gave them the cup of his new covenant. Now, Moses, Jeremiah, and Ezekiel had all talked about the new covenant. Ezekiel had said that God's going to take away your heart of stone and give you a heart of flesh. That God's going to fill you with the spirit. 
that you are going to be made into a new person. All of this is what salvation is today. You and I are not saved by keeping the law. The law is weak in that it cannot save you. The law isn't bad. The law is good, but the law is weak in that it cannot save you. And even the sacrifices, we're only looking forward to the main sacrifice that was given by Jesus. The Bible says in the book of Hebrews, the blood of bulls and goats can never save you. And so we have a high priest, a high priest according to the order of Melchizedek, who has given a sacrifice for us that our sins would be forgiven. And here Jesus is closing the book on the law. Moses opened up the book on the law. Jesus closed it. Jesus said, behold, I tell you the truth, not one jot or tittle of the law will be done away with until it is fulfilled. Meaning when it's finished. And so you and I, I keep the Sabbath because Jesus has become my Sabbath. Hebrews chapter 4. He has become my high priest. I don't need a high priest. I don't need a high priest that's a man who's going to die. I have a high priest forever, according to the, by the order of Melchizedek, and it's Jesus. I don't need to make a sacrifice anymore for my sins because there was one sacrifice given that is forever, and that's the blood of a man who was spotless and perfect and who died upon that cross that my sins could be forgiven. So this is the cup of the new covenant. Jesus said to his disciples, my new covenant, a new covenant I give to you. John 13, 34, by the way. John 13, 34, a new covenant I give to you that you love one another. That's what the new covenant is about. We read that in Romans. We read it in Galatians that all of the law and all of the prophets is fulfilled in this, that we love one another. No wonder the Bible says, above all things, have a fervent love for one another. What matters to God the most is that we love one another. Ephesians 4.32, be kind one to another, tender-hearted, forgiving one another, even as God for Christ's sake has forgiven you. He loved us, therefore we love him. We have fellowship with him and the fellowship that we have with him brings us into eternal life. That is the new covenant. Jesus prayed in John 17.3, this same night, later on this same night, and this is eternal life, that you know the one true God and the Son who he sent. This is the new covenant that you and I have, and we are no longer under the old covenant. And this is something we don't generally bring up during communion. It's something that, I don't know what it was, four or five communions ago, we take it once a month, four or five communions ago, it dawned on me. This is a covenant that we're, we're remembering, the, the new covenant. And it's good for us to focus on that when we take communion, remembering that this is the cup of the new covenant. It is by his blood that our sins are forgiven and that we enter into eternity with him and we are celebrating that. I think it's important for us to remember as well as we look at this, that this is the only ritual that Jesus gave us that we would do over and over again. We are religious people, meaning that we, we love Jesus, we love God but we have a relationship with Christ. And it's not about religious, it's not about rituals. This is the only one. Jesus didn't even tell us how often to do it. He simply said, as often as you do this, do this in remembrance of me. Again, remembrance, that is what it is about. When we do this, as often as we do this, we are to do this in remembrance of him. A few things about communion in closing. Number one, it is, first of all, a covenant cup. 
Well, we always want to remember that. This is, this is the new covenant. What's a covenant? It's kind of a contract. God made a contract with us that if we would believe in him, that we would have our sins forgiven, that if we would invite him in and receive him into our lives, that we would be transformed. That's the covenant that we have with him. And the cup of the covenant is the blood that ransoms us from our sins. What was the part of the cross that, that brought about our forgiveness? We know he died on the cross. We know he was beaten on the cross. We know he suffered on the cross. We know he was scourged before he went to the cross. But the Bible clearly says that we were ransomed by his blood. And I read that passage out of 1 Peter that says we were not redeemed by perishable things, but by the blood of Jesus. It is his blood that redeemed us. So we should always remember that communion is a covenant cup. It is also to remember him. As often as you do this, do this in remembrance of me. Since we're breaking the bread, since we're taking of the wine or taking of the fruit of the vine, we are remembering that his blood was shed and his body was broken for us. That as long as the church exists, every so often, they're going to gather back together and remember the cross. This is God's way of keeping communion in the center, uh, keeping the cross in the center of what the church is doing. That you and I would come back to it. We would come back to the cross. We would come back to the cross. We wouldn't drift too far away from it. Hey, people, church is still taking communion, still drift away from the, the cross. They start teaching other things as modes of salvation and other things. They start getting real cultural about what they believe. But we have communion to keep us centered. If the Lord doesn't come back pretty soon, we talked about technology this last weekend. If the Lord doesn't come back pretty soon, can you imagine how different the church is going to look in a few years? Can you imagine the technical problems that they're going to have? We have technical problems that the church in the past never had to deal with, but now we have to deal with them. But what kind of technology are we going to have? We have an online campus now. What kind of campuses are there going to be in the future? But no matter what church looks like in the future, they will be centered around the cross and they will be taking communion together. If the Lord tarries this will cause them to remember the body and the blood of Jesus that was broken for them. Number three, we talked about his presence being here with us in a special way. As I said, here I borderline in some people's mind on mind in heresy. I'm not saying in the elements. So don't, you know, I'm not saying in the elements. I'm saying that he's here with us in a special way as we take time to remember that work that he did with us on the cross. Number four, we want to take it in a worthy manner. The church in Corinth didn't take it in a worthy manner. I would love to take communion sometimes the way that they did. They had a meal. And sometimes with a smaller group, I'd love to do that. I'd love to actually have a meal where we all come in and sit down and eat a meal. We take communion, we pray, and we take of the food and we take of the fruit of the vine and we have a meal together. Well, that's the way they did it. But some of them were coming in early and they were eating all the food. They didn't care about anybody else. They didn't care about other people. It's like when you go to a potluck and you take all the food and your first guy in line, you take the majority of the food that's there without thinking of everybody else. Second, they were drinking the wine and getting drunk. Can you imagine at a, at a church service, at a communion service, drinking the wine, going, ooh, there's some wine here. I'm first one in line. I'm gonna go ahead and get myself a buzz. I'm gonna get my buzz on. And, and Paul said, some of you are sick. And some of you are dying because you are taking communion in an unworthy manner. 
Then he told us to examine ourselves to make sure that we don't take communion in an unworthy manner. Their extreme example of the way that they mistook communion helps us to approach the Lord's table with some trepidation. It helps us to approach it saying, I want to have my life right. I don't want to come in with kind of a cavalier attitude. Well, I have some sin in my life, but it's okay. Jesus has grace, you know. I, I, should we continue in sin that grace may abound? Bible says, may it never be. But sometimes people have that attitude. He's going to forgive me. I'm going to be able to walk with him. It's okay. And so we have that kind of cavalier attitude and it's so bad. We want to make sure we examine ourselves and that we are sober, that we say to him, Lord, forgive me and help me reveal to me my hidden faults that have dominion over me. All of us, all of us have failed spiritually. All of us need to have our feet washed periodically. And so examining ourselves and taking time in every communion, I'd like us just to take a few minutes and be quiet and examine ourselves and make sure that we are right with him. Number five, the fifth thing that happens in communion is that we proclaim the death of the Lord until he comes. As we take communion, we are proclaiming his death. He died for us. You are saying something when you take communion, but we are also remembering that he will return. Jesus said, I will come back again. The angel said to the men that saw him at the ascension, why do you guys stand here looking up into heaven? For he who went will come back in the exact same way. Jesus will come back first of all for his church in a moment, in a twinkling of an eye, and we will be caught up together to be with the Lord and we will forever be with the Lord. And then seven years later, it will be like lightning flashing from the north to the south. It won't be in a secret. It won't be in the twinkling of an eye, but it will be everyone will see him. And the Bible says that every person on the earth, those who don't know him, will mourn and weep. In fact, Revelation tells us that they hide from the lamb. They hide under any rock they possibly can when they see the lamb of God. And we are proclaiming that he is going to return. This world will one day end and it will end with the return of Jesus Christ. It says that he comes back in the clouds for his saints and we are caught up to meet him in the air. And it says that he comes back in the clouds at the end of the age in all of his glory. One day the sky will part and Jesus will come through in all of his glory. And it is in that day that all of the things that we have been living for will become reality. I want to do this. I want to pray. Then I want to give you an opportunity to commit your life to Christ or make things right with Jesus. So if you would stand with me, please. Father, I want to thank you that we've been able to consider communion today. We remember that this was the Passover meal, remembering the children of Israel being freed from slavery and that we are taking a Passover meal where the Lamb of God has freed us from sin. We were a slave to sin, just like they were a slave in Egypt, and we have been set free, and we remember the work that you do. And we thank you that we partake of this communion, and it's the covenant cup, that we remember the new covenant, that we are not under the old covenant anymore. We're set free from the law, but we are now under the new covenant, that covenant of love. And help us to walk in love with one another we pray in the name of Jesus. Amen. I'd like you to keep your eyes closed and your heads bowed, if you would, please. 
And I want to give you an opportunity if you're here today and you've never made a commitment to Christ, that you would make that commitment today. The Bible says as many as receive him, he gives the power to become a child of God. That means you have to invite him into your life. You have to say, I want to follow him. If you're here today and you would like to receive Christ, you've never made a commitment. I'm going to give you the opportunity in a moment. But also there's another group here. And that's those of you who made a commitment a while ago and then you walked away for whatever reason. Maybe it was soon after you made the commitment. Jesus told the parable of the soils. He said that there are those that their soil never really goes down deep. And when, when tribulation or hardships come, you walk away. There are others that grow more mature, but the cares and the worries of this world or the desire for riches choke them out. And that may be you. And you are a prodigal. You walked away from Christ and now you want to return to him. You know what it means to be a Christian and you say, I want to give my life to him. And if you're here today and you want to give your life for the very first time, and also if you're watching online, you can respond to this as well. Or if you're listening on Reach Radio, then you can respond as well. But if you're here and you want to give your life to Christ for the very first time, or you want to return to him as a prodigal that Jesus is calling back tonight, then I'm going to ask you to do something simple right where you are. Just raise your hand. Lift your hand up now. Lift it up high so I can see it. I want to acknowledge your hand and I want to pray for you. God bless you. A couple gals there under the balcony. Your hands went up immediately. Off to the side there as well. Sir, right over here in the front. God bless you. I'd like to acknowledge your hand and then I would like to pray with you. I want to come to Christ. I want to come back to Christ. God bless you, sir. And God bless you there, sir. That's great. Online, you could just raise your hand or you could just say, yes, God, I want you in my life. Uh, listening to the car on Reach Radio, you could just say, Lord, I want to give my life to you. Today is the day of salvation. All right. God bless you guys up in the balcony. That's great. All right. You could put your hands down and I would like everyone, including those who raised their hand, including those who responded on our live online service and those who are listening live on Reach Radio who want to pray this, pray this prayer with me out loud. There's nothing magical about this prayer, but it is a point of faith that you are saying, I want Jesus Christ in my life. Pray this prayer after me. Dear Heavenly Father, I confess that I have sinned and I know my sin has separated me from you. But I also understand that I can be forgiven by the death of Jesus on the cross. So I invite you into my life and I turn from my sin that I can live for you. In the name of Jesus, amen. Welcome to the family of God. Amen. Or welcome back. I'm sure there was some of both here tonight as you were giving your life to Christ or returning to Christ. We have a new believers table that's along the wall. We want to give you a Bible and a new believers packet. If you're watching online, we want to hear from you as well. If you're listening on Reach Radio or if you're here tonight and you made a commitment, we want to hear your story. What has God done for you? What has God done with you? How has God brought you back or how has God brought you to Christ? You can write it out and send it to saved at calvarytucson.com. All right, that's saved at calvarytucson.com. There will be somebody who will respond to your email because we want to do everything that we can do to make sure you're doing the things that you need to do to be able to walk close with Christ and stay close to Him. Thank you for joining us for Practical Christian Living with Robert Furrow. 
We hope that our verse-by-verse studies truly help you to see that God is real. He wants a personal relationship with you, and His Word is life-changing. If you'd like to hear more of Robert Furrow's teachings, visit calvarytucson.com. For our local listeners, we invite you to join us at one of our two campuses. Our East Campus at Speedway and Camino Seco meets Saturdays at 6 p.m. and Sundays at 9.45 a.m. Our West Campus, south of Palo Verde and I-10, meets Sunday mornings at 8.30 and 11 a.m. Our midweek service times are Wednesday evening at 6 p.m. at our East Campus and 7.15 p.m. at our West Campus. If you prefer, you can watch our service at live.calvarytucson.com and also on our Facebook page and YouTube channel. Our online campus is available during East Campus service times. If Practical Christian Living has blessed you and you'd like to donate, please visit pclaz.org. That's pclaz.org where you can make a secure one-time donation or sign on to become a monthly partner on a reoccurring basis. Have you accepted Jesus into your life or do you have questions about salvation? We'd love to hear from you. Email us at saved at calvarytucson.com and don't forget to follow us on social media, Instagram at Calvary Tucson or Facebook at Calvary Chapel Tucson. We want to remind our local listeners that you can watch Practical Christian Living TV Sunday mornings at 8.30 a.m. on KGUN 9. Thank you for joining us for Practical Christian Living.